0: Welcome to the latest exciting instalment of Running Down Corridors. I'm Martin and joining me this week is Abby. Hiya. <laughs> and we've got no Chris this week, Abby, because he's Hi. on paternity leave. Yeah. Looking so after y- you have brought along a very glamorous assistant to help us out today. <laughs> Jimmy Wolf, who are you and why? Hello, all. Uh, well, why? I'll give that
1: some thought. But I am Jimmy Wolf, aka Captain Jimmy Pie. Some of you may know me from YouTube, but uh, also in the last, it's got to be a good few months now, if not six months or so, I've been working with the lovely people over at TT doing various audio dramas and things like that. So I am here to stand in for the lovely Chris Walker Thompson.
0: And you two are involved with a separate podcast, aren't you? Mm.
2: Yes.
1: The um. Uh, listeners about that. The dripping Hartnell podcast no we will not explain that name <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm I'm saying that largely because i I genuinely don't know how we came up with that name. I can't so remember
2: basically so basically right so the dripping Hartnell podcast is we all sit down and watch an episode and then talk about it. It's nothing original. It's just an excuse for us all to sit down and start watching any form of who, but we watch the classics and we watch the modern and we're going to watch some of the specials as well. But no, it's called the Dripping Hartnell podcast because I make diamond art and Connor, my other half, his favourite doctor is one, so Hartnell, and the glue hadn't set on the diamond art that I made for him and I showed him the picture and all the glue dripped off of Hartnell and that's the origin of the Dripping Hartnell
0: podcast. (laughs) Ah. Yeah. I completely forgot about that, if I'm
2: honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if you guys heard the latest Doctor Who news.
2: Which bit? Which
0: bit, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's been confirmed that Miriam Margulies is voicing Beep the Meep.
2: We already worked that out. Yeah, I
1: love, uh, yeah, uh, I love yeah. the fact that they're like, official announcement, and everyone's like, you mean the official announcement that everyone knew because everyone had seen the trailer and recognised their voice? But <laughs> it's, I think it's great. To have, I love the fact that she mentioned it in her, what was it, her latest book or whatever, it just popped up as a random reference. And I get the feeling, knowing Miriam Margulies, she didn't get permission to do that, oh,
2: she yeah. just did it. 100%.
0: Yeah, she's caused a bit of a stir today, actually, because she was on this morning and swore. Uh, and doesn't she always?
2: Once again, nobody is surprised.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she called me a cunt once.
1: Oh, you should be honoured. <laughs> that, is, that is an honour, to be fair. That is an honour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was I was at a con and I was just kind of filming around on my phone to show how busy it was. Mm. And then she went, "Wait, cunt, were you filming me? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'm well excited to have her in Who, though. I she think she's going to be fantastic.
0: Yeah. Really, yeah, really, really good. I love her. And Doctor Who Redacted is coming back for a second series.
2: Yes. Um, mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have to say, I have to admit, I haven't listened to
1: Redacted Series 1 yet, actually. I've, I've got it. I, Tom, I've got BBC Sounds, and I keep meaning to listen to it. And I haven't got round to it yet. So
2: I didn't listen to it. And then, obviously, the Madame Vastra showed up, and everybody was like, Abby, Abby, Abby. Because <laughs> anything, Pat and Oster, like today... I literally got sent about the Paternoster clip that Big Finish put out like about 25 times. I'm like, dudes, yes, I know. Um, but, <laughs>
0: Twenty-five.
2: You, you, you were you 25? You were about number four, to be uh. fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Vastra showed up and said her stuff. And then after that, I was like, I should probably listen to this so I can kind of contribute towards this aggression that everybody seems to be having towards the bit that they wrote, which I won't spoil, but yeah. Um, but they've changed the whole cart, the whole like production crew, haven't they, now?
1: Well, wasn't there a thing that James Goss was supposed to be taking it over or something like that? I don't know if that was still the case.
2: Because it was a full-on girl mm. running girl situation, and I don't think they would I don't think they thought it would do as well as it did.
1: They definitely underestimated it. Even even as someone who hasn't listened to it, I you can tell they underestimated the popularity of it, I think.
2: Yeah, and it sounds like they they've changed a lot of people that were running it. So mm
0: yeah I've not I've heard the first episode but I didn't get beyond that because it came out when I had my first hip replacement Uh. I was on a lot of medication and stuff actually I might have listened to the whole thing and I've just forgotten it (laughs) (laughs) that that happened a lot during that period there was one day um, a trailer came on for a film and I said to my fiance oh that's the film we want to go and see and she's like what are you talking about we went yesterday oh (laughs) Christ (laughs) that was when I was like heavily on Tramadol and stuff so (laughs)
1: you can go and see it again it's like and then again and then again
2: Oh, <laughs> all
0: right so we're here to talk about the tortured episode ghost machine jimmy Soon as you're our guest i'll come to you first and ask what's your relationship with torchwood
1: so i was very much um i watched tortured when it first came out because it was obviously 2006 was it i believe
0: Correct. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. So um, yeah, so it was one of those things that again, it was kind of, um, I'd gotten into, you know, watch Doctor Who at that point, and I was into it and, and things like that, because I'd always sort of been into it slightly as a as a kid. But it was obviously I was, I'm a wilderness years child. So I would sort of dropped in and out of bits and pieces of it. So obviously, when it came back in 2005, I was all, all for it. Um, and then obviously when Torchwood came along, um, I would have been 2006, I would have been about 17, 18. So I think it was sort of I was bordering on this being a suitable program for me to watch. So, of course, I wanted to watch it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I had sort of seen it from the from the beginning. And it was definitely one of those ones that um, just really just clicked with me. You know, it was a it was a it was a great. it was was, still is very much to rewatch it a great show it's always a good one to to revisit every now and again and i think it's i liked that you had the balance of sarah jane adventures was for the kids but obviously it was suitable for you know adults could watch it as well but it was obviously aimed at the kids doctor who family audience and then you had torchwood specifically for the adults because it meant that I was almost inclined to say that it meant they could get away with a lot more, but it's not a case of that they were trying to get away with it. It meant they could do things that they couldn't do in Doctor Who, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember when it was announced that they were doing a spin-off for kids and a spin-off for adults, I remember thinking what strange decision it was. But in hindsight, it worked so well. You got, like, different aspects of the universe, and I love that. And I hope with the new era of RTD, we're going to get something similar. Mm. Well, there's been rumours, hasn't there, of many sort of different spinoffs and things like that unit unit yes
1: well that's that's one (laughs) of the that's one of the many but i'm kind of hoping if the if the unit spinoff rumors are true i'm kind of hoping that it goes down the torchwood route of being more aimed towards a an adult audience because i think i think that's that's the thing with unit is unit would be very tortured if anything i'm almost inclined to say that unit depending on its era would perhaps be a bit more um more adult than Torchwood, because the whole point of Torchwood was this was the Torchwood that Jack had rebuilt in the name of the Doctor and tried to make it better. And I get the feeling if this is a modern day unit, Kate Stewart's going to be fulfilling very much more sort of the same role because again I'm assuming that she would be in it because it's unit, of course she's going to be leading it. But I would like to think that again it's going to be aimed more at an adult audience. Um because again it's you know it's 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 it feels like it would have that same sort of feel
0: mm. to it, you know yeah I could see that I think we're definitely getting a unit spin-off, but I don't think it will be until twenty twenty six yeah
2: totally I just,
0: yeah i can
1: i can i can understand I think they're definitely probably gonna they're gonna um definitely sort of let this era sort of settle in and sort of gauge how it feels with the audience before they go into i I'm under no doubts at all that that Russell will do spinoffs it's it's not a case of if it happens it's more a case of when when
2: yeah
0: Yeah, because that big sign at the entrance of Bad Wolf Studios, it says, Welcome to the Hooniverse yes so you would just put welcome to the home of doctor who or something if you weren't planning anything else mm-hmm. that's true
1: and, and speaking of that actually um one of the things that i love is uh obviously there was the um without going into all the things behind it obviously he recently gave a a, 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 wrote a thing in doctor who magazine which obviously raised a few eyebrows but one of my favorite things he put in there and it's re- it's it's one of those things you have to look into it but he says in brackets bring back the doctor who experience and i'm like Come on, Russell, yeah. please. F- f- seriously, if anybody's going to bring it back, it's going to be you. Come on. <laughs> That's- oh my
2: gosh, <laughs> Noah would lose his call. Oh,
0: it would be so wonderful if that came back. <laughs> did you both get to go when it was around?
2: Yes, I did, yes. many
0: times. Yes. Yeah. I went twice it- in London and twice in Cardiff. I never went to Cardiff. I never
1: went to the London one, but I went to Cardiff when it was in uh its main sort of big you know the what I called the balloon building the big blue one when yeah. it was in I didn't go when it was in the um Red Dragon Center but again I went so many times the best visit I ever had there was I think it was two days after New Year's Day and I'd stayed in Cardiff for that Christmas and I thought there's nothing's going to be open I'm just going to go down to the doctor here experience because I knew it was be open and there was like five people there including me and there was a brilliant moment when you're at for those who may remember it you get to fly the Eleventh Doctor's. Uh, TARDIS when they had it, it as the 11th doctor bit and there was the bit where he comes up on screen and he says like you know kids to the front because the TARDIS is more receptive and you could just see all the adults looking around and going nope it's Aha. our turn it's our <laughs> turn now
2: no I was one of these I, I my ex used to live in Cardiff so I used to go to the Cardiff one quite a bit when I was in the military so
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Abby 2006 you would have been in the navy
2: Yeah, still in Mm. the military, still stuck on a big grey ship in the middle of the ocean, not (laughs) able to watch Torchwood.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know what I wanted to ask you. What's that? Does the Royal Navy look down a little bit on the Merchant Navy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's no reason around that one, yes. (laughs) But no, um, so I only recently started watching Torchwood, uh, as I've said before, mainly because – one of the other audio channels we work with overton audios they have a torchwood series and i'm involved in that and i was like i should probably know what this is about before i get involved in this (laughs) um so yeah i've just started season three so i'm i'm many years behind everybody else however this episode i will say the one we're about to talk about is is very good
0: Mm. yeah i would say it's the first good episode of torchwood yeah, I agree. it
1: definitely sets the ongoing tone. I would say for Torchwood, it's it's some of the. Uh, I would say it's it's not that it's perhaps not the darkest episode out there, but it definitely was the one that um, from a from a serious viewpoint really told you which direction. Torchwood was going to go in because obviously you know it's you look you know you the first episode obviously you know tells you a bit about it and then in
2: the scene in it really yeah, it sets
1: the scene and then obviously second episode it's kind of like this is clearly for adults but I think I think Ghost Machine really sort of said this is going to get dark and mm-hmm. it's not going to be funny you know
2: I will say this as well because I remember last Torchwood podcast we did Martin I was like I yeah. do not like Owen uh, and i he, he kind of proved himself in this one i actually enjoyed him in this one he wasn't a twat
0: yeah he does evolve mm. eventually yeah <laughs> it's he's
1: got a very slow sort of character evolution but i think it it does work well because you kind of that introduction of him being a bit of a, a bit of a twat it's you can't get away from that that is that is who he is but it, it does you know without giving away spoilers for abby it does sort of obviously get explained why he is the way he is. It's it's good because you could have just had him, this character is a bit of a knob and that could have been it, but they've really sort of put a lot into it. And I think Ghost Machine is definitely the first step of you realise that Owen isn't as careless and carefree as he likes to make himself out to
0: be. Mm. The most surprising thing about this episode to me is that Owen likes Strictly.
1: Yes. (laughs) That, to, that is an odd one, isn't it? I but I always wondered: is he saying that just to just to sort of set the tone? But when you sort of hear him, in and he actually talks about like, no, he knows who these people are; he likes it.
0: <laughs> so this episode's written by Helen Rayner, who was the script editor on the first four series of Doctor Who. Okay. What do you make uh-huh. of that episode from a script standpoint?
1: It's it's a very strong script, I think, because it it sort of um, it's not it's even though it's obviously you know it's it's a sci-fi thing because they're dealing with this machine that can you know summon up uh you know ghosts as it were and it's it's got that sci-fi element to it almost a sort of mind reading thing but it doesn't play on that too strongly it really does play more on the human element um Mm. which i i love because again it's kind of you could have you could have done lots of things with this you could have you know tried to make it so you could have made this like any normal sci-fi plot would have said look these are events that have happened or will happen and the characters in this sci-fi setting would have said how can I change these events to stop it from happening or to change things that happened at no point does anybody try to actually change the outcome of things necessarily it's kind of there's there's hints of it especially when they see sort of future elements but at the same time the way that the plot develops, you kind of sort of feel like you're always given the 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 imagery of what has happened will have always happened and what will happen is going to always happen and they don't try to shy away from they don't try to they don't try to shy away from it being about the characters reacting to the The current setting rather than trying to sort of say oh well you know we need to some sort of timey wimey element we've got to make this all about a sci-fi thing they don't do that and i like i like that from a from a script perspective again because it sets the tone for torchwood that yes this is a this is a sci-fi series but we're not going to be going down the same sort of sci-fi route as doctor who for example Mm -hmm. we are set in one place one time more or less you know
2: I think the thing I I think I think I liked about this is they could have made it so much more complicated than it needed to be yeah. which is the habit with a lot of sci-fi run shows it kind of it it flows really nicely and it kind of goes from from a to b to c to d which is a quite nice story to follow rather than it kind of bouncing around all over the place you know um yeah it it definitely works it was very well written i feel but de- like we were saying earlier definitely the strongest so far that we've spoken about torchwood wise
0: you could have almost made an entire series about the ghost machine
2: yeah true but
0: you could have a detective using it to solve cold cases kind of like crime traveler i guess back in the 90s oh,
1: oh I, I loved that i loved cri- i loved crime tra- abby have you ever seen crime traveler no oh
2: pitch it to me later yes
1: yes that's such a good one but no but it's interesting that they've never revisited the ghost machine in some shape or form obviously big finish would big finish would probably be doing it now um but again i don't know how well it would work in an audio format but it is again it's one of those sort of things that Sort of got put into the Torchwood vault, and then we just sort of assume it got destroyed or sold off. And I like—I do like the idea that it's out there somewhere. It was, you know, sold off to a collector who's now got it, and it would be interesting to see it sort of pop up. Because I, I think it's
2: Sutton, where yes. is this prop?
1: Yes, let's. let's <laughs> yeah. if there's one person who'll know where this prop is. It'll be Sutton.
0: I'll send him a message. <laughs> so this is the first episode for me where jack actually feels like a leader true yes
1: very very good point yes
0: yeah so what do you make about the character of bernie he's again i
1: think he's uh, him and um i can't remember the the older guy's name who's in it as well um the guy that was in my said so, yes yeah
0: um
1: no i think again they are both sort of classic examples of showing how much this story is about the you know the human element you've got you know bernie is this obviously character who's a bit of a tear away and you know they make him out to be this sort of delinquent and things like that but then he has his moments towards the end of the story when you realize you know he's he's there he's always out getting in trouble and getting in scrapes and things like that but the minute he's sort of really faced with something that could mean quite serious consequences for him he becomes very sort of just very relatable in that you know this is this is someone who perhaps most audiences wouldn't relate to for most of the episode. And then suddenly he becomes scared. He becomes vulnerable. And you think he is just another person. And I think it's a good, it's a good mix of a character because it sort of, again, plays on everybody, no matter who they are from whatever walk of life still has those very human nature elements that regardless of where you're, who you are and where you're from, everyone can relate to, you know, everyone is, Scared of things happening to them. And I think it, it plays on that very
0: well. Yeah, it's a very grounded episode, really. Mm. Abby, what about you?
2: So, as Jimmy was saying, I do feel like he's quite well rounded. Considering he's only in like this one episode, they could have made him very two dimensional. Oh, he's just the kid that happens to have this machine. Like they actually flushed him out rather than him just being the vessel. Which goes, going back to the whole script editing and the writing, like, uh, he was written very well. And I think when when we were talking about the old guy as well, the way he also went through that character development from, like, you know, getting angry to getting upset. Like, everybody is written very, like, you could bring them back. Like, they're not just there to make the story shift along if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. You almost imagine Bernie being the annoying kid they have to deal with every couple of episodes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. again, sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do you make? We see more about Gwen and Reese's relationship in this. And a lot of fans really love them because they really ground this in a sort of reality. So what did you make of that?
2: I, I love Gwen and Reese anyway. Um, See, I, I, uh, this is where I should have carried on watching the episodes <laughs> um, <laughs> because I feel like I'm going to emulgulate more than this episode we're talking about. But is this the... <sighs> right, I need to remember what they've done in this episode. But either way, I love the whole, like, Reese's a little bit, why do you keep having to go to work type thing with... Because obviously she's just started this new job and it's all exciting and yada yada yada. And you can see he's trying to be understanding, but at this point he's starting to be a little bit more like, "Do you want to like spend some time with me
1: because mm. does, <laughs> uh, doesn't he make in this point does not he make he makes some comment about saying about how he can deal with all the was it secret squirrel stuff, but he just wants to know when she's coming home yeah sort of you you begin to see that it's like he's you know he's clearly wants to be supportive, but at the same time it's it's sort of again i and i think from from their point of view as a relationship, you know it shows how although torchwood is this wonderful organisation inside the organisation this story shows how dangerous and how horrible it can be but then i think again as jack reminds gwen either in this episode or possibly a future one i think he makes a comment to her about saying what did i tell you about letting this job take over your personal life you know what? he try he really does try to warn her and mm. and make sure that she keeps on track with you know reese because obviously It's a very difficult line for I think any of the characters of Torchwood to walk, you know, which is obviously a case of having a personal relationships and a professional one. And I think that's one of the dynamics that I think works well with Gwen is she's one of the few characters who sort of does manage to have that. I
2: remember um, all of them them, when they found out that Gwen had a boyfriend and stuff, they were all like, "Uh, well, let's see if that works out.
1: Mm. And I
2: think at this point the audience are kind of waiting for them to split. Yeah, I mean, obviously, future stuff, but like, you, you, everybody's like, are are they going to split? Are they going to stay together? Because nobody else is like kind of supporting this. Hmm. Um, But like I say, Reese is coping as well as he can. I'd I'd say at this point in like Gwen's arc. Hmm.
0: So something that really used to niggle me about this episode is that it suddenly becomes Gwen's episode like yeah. ostensibly this is owen into- does a bit doesn't it actually yeah there is a reason for that oh And um, that's because halfway through filming this episode burn gorman's wife went into labor oh. so Fair that's enough. why gwen kind of takes over the episode is because he was he was at the hospital
2: that makes
1: sense it does make sense and now, now i'm sort of thinking about it it kind of you can sort of tell that they didn't I don't mean this in a negative way. You can tell that they didn't try to rewrite the script too hard because now you've said that, I get the feeling that you immediately had Owen faced with this whole point of confronting this person who he's seen commit a horrible crime and then suddenly he's going to be put in a place where he then has to prevent something similar from happening if he was the one who saw supposedly what would happen in the future. Mm. So you get the feeling that they sort of maybe wrote that for. I mean, not you know. To be fair, Eve Miles as Gwen plays plays it really well, and I think it's actually stronger from her point of view because obviously when she sees herself, she is then trying to change it from happening. And then obviously when what happens does happen, it's quite a obviously again, it's a very traumatic experience. It does does make
2: you wonder if that was basically made on the last minute. Then
0: yes, yeah, it does feel kind of oh fuck, we need to wrap this up.
2: Yeah, how do we (laughs) come up with ideas?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think it would have been that different because the fact that you had, at the end, you had Owen had, uh, you know, disarmed Morgan and then he's there saying, I've got the knife now and you can see him contemplating. I get the feeling that that would have probably still played out as it did. It would have been a case of that he disarms Morgan to prevent him from attacking Bernie and then that scene probably plays out as it plays out, perhaps with, you know... Owen being the one holding the knife and then Edwin comes at him and you know, it, it goes on from there. But again, I think it works better as Gwen because I think with Owen being in that position, because he was sort of on the edge and verge of actually doing it, I don't think it would have had as much emotional impact if he had done it. I think the whole point with Gwen is she never had any intention of harming Morgan. So obviously when it happens...
2: She's genuine shock. Genuinely
1: yeah. shocked by it.
0: That's true. Vern Gorman's performance in this is so good. Like that moment where he's just purely frozen with fear when he's feeling Lizzie's emotions. Mm. Oh my god. Well, you it's all in his face.
2: Yes.
1: Mm.
0: And the, the brief moment
1: afterwards as well when he comes out of it, and you can he's sort of, you know, on you could see he's sort of going through almost a panic attack. It's just it's the subtle things like that, that again make it so so well done this is the one thing
2: this is the one thing that i love about the way they shot that particular scene he didn't need to say any lines nothing needs to be said it was all done visually Mm. and the way they filmed it it's perfect it perfectly captures that
1: one moment you know very much so it's yeah it's it it, it, it's it's it it's a good testament to the to the script and to the actor where it's it's that classic thing of when in doubt Don't act, but more to the point, where when in doubt, don't say something. You know, it's they could they could have really sort of they could have easily put something in there where Owen's there, sort of frozen, but he's going, don't, don't, don't do it. But he doesn't. You didn't. You wouldn't have needed that. It's all there. You know, the fact that he's so petrified that he can't speak makes it even worse. Because I think if he'd spoken, you kind of had the idea that he was trying to, you know, to break out of it. But I think the fact that he's just absolutely so, but it also it also plays to the strength of the fact that he's saying, I felt what she felt. yeah, And it really sort of engages you with, not only do you understand how Owen felt, but not only is he having to go through his own emotions of what he's seeing there, he's then having to go through the emotions of what the person at the time was going through, which is obviously, you know, insult to it, not insult to injury, but it builds on top of, you know, you've got on the one level he's traumatized seeing it, on the other level, he's traumatised by having to go through the same thing and not being able to do anything about it.
2: Sometimes you can say it all with just a look. Hmm.
0: Oh, absolutely. We should touch on the, the Guac storyline that they were trying to push at this point with Gwen and Jack becoming a couple. Yes. Gun.
2: Oh, Christ, no.
0: <laughs> I'm glad this gets dropped.
2: <laughs> after
0: this. But what do you guys make of the gun training scene?
2: Um. Well, Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I liked it. Um I think uh, what I like about it is you watch it you can tell that a lot of it was perhaps um it wasn't un- it's it wasn't unscripted but you get the feeling that they said here's roughly what we want you to do
2: flirt, just
1: just yeah just go with it and just sort of have fun with it and do what you want um but it's interesting because I think it's an interesting dynamic that they've tried to sort of push with Gwen and Jack but at the same time there's an element to it when you rewatch it of they do just seem like you can you can view it from a fact that either there is perhaps something potentially going on or you can have the fact that Jack is really trying to sort of take Gwen under his wing and there's an ele- there's a, there's an element of professionalism to it that you know he understands that Gwen's in a position that perhaps no one else in the hub is in and he's trying to make sure that she sort of remains sort of has quite a good bit of stability he wants to. He wants to be her friend, you know. Uh, it's obviously only later on that perhaps it grows into a bit more.
2: Um, all I thought throughout that was Gwen, Reese, stop, put him down. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. It's, it, it. Once again, it's acted really well, and it's the whole done with a look, done with a touch, done with a visual aspect thing. But. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very glad they didn't go ahead with it, because no. (laughs) In summary,
0: no. I just want to know where they got the targets of the weevils, because they must have had to go down to a a copy place and ask (laughs) if That is true.
2: (laughs) I'd like 24 of these printed out, please. Right, okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's that sounds like that sounds like a mini mini story in itself. Is the, <laughs> the last line of it would be the guy in the tor- the gli- guy in the copy place going bloody torchwood. Bloody torchwood. <laughs> so everyone knows. Everyone knows.
2: Everybody knows the, the secret organisation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's That's what always made me laugh is the fact they got tortured written down the side of their van. Mm. And
2: the pizza place. Like, what if they yeah. get pizzas delivered this Deliber- Torchwood?
0: Again, typical
1: Owen being a <laughs> bit of a dick getting pizza delivered under Torchwood. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that they, you say they've got it down the side as well. They haven't just got it down the side of the van, it's in big, bright yellow letters on the top of it.
2: But nobody knows who they are. They're above the government. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Quite. Now, actually, just on that quick subject, this might have been something that came up in the last episode, but while we're mentioning it, um, did you, have you heard the news about the Torchwood SUV? Oh yes, no. It's been, it's been found. Oh, it was. It was. Uh, it was auctioned off for a charity auction, I believe. And it turns out it's been sat in a yeah. in a it's field. It or, it's, it's been sat somewhere, and it's been really disused. Um, but again, certain people, aka Mr. Sutton, have gotten <laughs> allegedly got in contact with the people that own it and said, "If you want this restored, let me know. I will do it." So it is still; it does still exist out there. It is still out there. It's not in a great state of shape, but the SUV does still exist, people.
0: <laughs> uh, it reminds me of what happened to the Acto One from Ghostbusters.
2: Oh yeah, yes, yeah.
0: Just sat in the back lot for years and years, getting all kinds of weather on it. It's
2: so bad, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this uh, what bothers me about this early series is that Toshiko gets so little to do.
2: This is true.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, she's very much a side character.
0: And she's I mean, she... the most beautiful woman that's ever been in anything Doctor Who related, and I will keep saying that every time. <laughs> uh, uh, I think I don't think that's an unfair
1: thing to say at all. I think that's a very, very, <laughs> very valid point. I mean, she doesn't. She, she, now I think about it, she doesn't really get any anything large until Captain Jack Harkness, and even then, she's a side character, really, isn't she? I think her obviously her her largest episode was um, wasn't until series two with the was it to the last man.
2: She does have that one in season one when she's with the girl.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Oh,
2: Greeks Bearing Gift, of course she does, yes. Yeah, come on. I completely forgot about that.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Actually, in the first place, <laughs> the one who's most poorly served is Yanto. Yes. Yes. But that's because a lot of his storyline got cut. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. He's got yeah, she- with the whole yeah.
2: cyber woman and all that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, they did. I mean, I, I think I... I think I covered this in one of my previous videos. Um, There was a thing, and it was sort of hinted at in uh, Cyberman, but also in Series 2 with Adam. Um, There was supposedly at some point, Yanto may have been a serial killer hiding in plain sight. It never made it into the finished series but apparently he was supposed to have quite a large yeah and quite I a he had dark... a
2: little chunk that got taken out yeah
1: there was quite a bit and there's sort of like i said you obviously have the the stuff in um you have the stuff in in cyberwoman obviously that's his big story and then it's sort of played two more in adam but there was there was definitely elements of it that got cut and he was meant to sort of go really quite dark apparently um to the point i think where he was there, there were there were rumours, and I never managed to sort of trace this down as to whether it's not, there were rumours that he was going to turn out to be a, a a series
0: finale villain, apparently.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I that. That.
0: Yeah, I'm glad they didn't go that route because we would already had that with Susie. Yes. So it would have just felt more of the same.
2: Yeah, hmm. copy-paste sort of
0: thing, yeah. And, you know, they give uh, Yanto this huge comedy U-turn in series two and he becomes a real fan favourite from that moment. Yeah. Yeah
2: yeah true true true
0: okay guys i'd say we've taught this episode to death <laughs> it feels like it. it's
1: it's it sort of feels like it's one of those episodes it feels like there's more to say about it but there's 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 not a huge amount is there i don't mean that in a bad i don't mean that in a bad way at all but it's it sort of does show that it's a very good it's a good self-contained episode i think you can watch it
0: without having to see much torchwood before yeah
2: it. yeah i completely agree with that
0: hmm yeah, and you don't even have to have seen Doctor Who to get any of this episode.
2: That's also true. Yeah. No,
0: you know, um, actually, interestingly, my fiance's sister called me the other day, mm. right. and she had just started watching Torchwood. She's never seen Doctor Who. Mm. Ah. She was watching Torchwood on the iPlayer, and there were just a little, a few little Doctor Who references. She wanted explained to her, but she's mm. really enjoying Torchwood. Oh, no, I- I she
1: I-, I think. I think. I think you can. I I, what I like about Torchwood is I think it is one of those series that you can watch without having to need a lot of prior knowledge from Dr. Who. It only sort of, it only sort of comes into play when you get to the end of series one. And obviously the beginning of series two, there's obviously a gap there that is obviously explained in Dr. Who, but even then I think it's kind of, it's sort of explained away in the first episode by Jack. You don't need to necessarily know what's happened. Um, and I think Torchwood is, again, Torchwood is one of those shows that does stand up well on its own, which I think is good because I think you could say the same of the Sarah Jane adventures as well, I suppose, actually. It's it's odd that you find a series or a, a franchise with spin-offs that work well in their own right and don't rely on each other heavily to to work.
0: Yeah, like Fraser or, or NCIS mm-hmm. or Angel. Yes. yes. Mm. Yeah. So, okay, thanks for joining me, both of you, do you guys have anything you want to promote?
2: Not at present, no. I don't think... Oh, I'll tell you what we will promote, and that is um, Agency Doctor on TT ah, Productions. Yes.
1: <laughs> over on... Uh, so, t, uh, this is my doctor that I'm playing over at TT Productions. Uh, obviously, we have our own selection of, of, uh, of doctors, specifically one, obviously, following on from the other. So, Agency is the one that I play. So, this is uh, a doctor who has an undisclosed incarnation of the Doctor, shall we say, because I don't think we've ever put a number specifically on any of them. He's one of Uh, the first
2: TT Doctors. That's all you know.
1: So I think think it's worth saying is that all the the TT Doctors are sort of basically happen after everything else, after the TV series, after anything, you know. Um, So the Agency Doctor is uh, one who, uh, for reasons that you can find out about in the story, ladies and gentlemen, is released from Sharda on condition of regeneration and he ends up being employed by the Celestial Intervention Agency to undertake missions for them, and he is assigned a Time Lady companion who's sort of his, not just companion, but his parole officer in in a sense as well. Uh, so he undertakes missions for the uh, Celestial Intervention Agency, but in between he has his sort of own adventures and things like that. Uh, we've had two episodes out so far. Uh, they certainly seem to have been very well received. People seem to be enjoying them, so... Yes, please do go and check out Agency Doctor. And uh, personally as well, I'm going to say not just Agency, please go and check out all of the other TT Doctors. You know, we've got Dickensium, we've got Queer. We've just started Metal, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's Chronicle that we've... Future, as a many, many TT doctors, which are
2: McKensian, which is mine. Who's Which now is yes, died. of course. I've just finished. I lasted. <laughs> I lasted a whole ten episodes, but now she is gone.
1: <laughs> until the, until we get some specials, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I would I would thoroughly recommend going and checking out uh, the TT because it's not just Doctor Who. There is plethora of other things. Uh, another non TT personal favorite, I think, uh, and Abby would agree on this, is a series called The Touched. Which is uh, Victorian London, but with superpowers.
0: <laughs> and I get, yeah, I guess um, you mentioned in the touch there that's based on the Nevers.
2: That is, it is indeed.
0: Yeah. On that note, I have just launched a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast called oh. with Joe Ford, who people oh. might know, yes. hamster with a blunt pen knife, Finish big, etc. And that comes out every Saturday. So if you're a fan of Buffy, people subscribe to bite me. And I will link all the TT stuff and all the other podcasts down below. Jimmy, how Mm. do you find you online? Uh, You can find me online by uh,
1: searching Captain Jimmy Pie. That is all one word. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Probably most active on Twitter and YouTube. Um, But yes, I do have a LinkedIn. If you go to any of my social media pages, I'm also on Instagram. Um, I have a, a link tree, uh, not LinkedIn, sorry. Uh, I have a link tree which has everything on there that you can find. So, yes, please go and uh, check out my channel. I do uh, doctor, mainly Doctor Who videos, ranging from uh, fan theories of ideas and things. I've done a few tortured ones for those who are interested. Um, I've also done some sort of trivia videos and I do a lot of sort of uh, custom figure videos, filling in the gaps where we don't have official figures or we haven't had them yet.
0: Excellent. How do you. Do the custom figures? Uh,
1: basically, just get uh, any a particular figure or any range of figures, and basically just take lot parts off and stick parts back together. It's it's very rudimentary, but it's it's sort of all there. It does work. Is that what they call kit bashing? Kind of, yeah. It's, yeah. it's various. No, it's I'm, I'm
2: permanently scarred because one of our other friends also does that, and he wanted to make the eighth doctor with the straw hat that five wears for one of the it's memory lane it's the memory lane look i think ah. and um, <laughs> he literally sawed off the top of <laughs> five's head and stuck it on paul mcgad and i have never lived got over that trauma <laughs> oh,
0: that's goodness. how it's done though <laughs> and on that note good night night <laughs> bye oh, bye